Hey there, welcome back. It's the Fully Live Athlete Pastor Channel, and this is the Online Bible Reading Club. We're going to be uh, looking at 2 Chronicles 23 and 24 and John chapter 15 today. And we're looking at uh, these verses because uh, this is a preview or a review uh, of the text you're, you're going through on this reading plan. The idea is to read through the Bible in a year. We're doing 365 of these uh, in order to give you, uh, you know, a more insight into what you're reading and, and to get a better handle on it. Uh, and to keep, uh, also to keep in mind the bigger story uh, and not, uh, not to get too disjointed from the bigger grand story of the scriptures. But all that to say, let's dive into it today. Let's get right into it. We're going to be looking first at the New Testament reading in John chapter 15. Now, John chapter 15 is one of those um, you know, I am statements. The I am statements in, in the Gospel of John really do set it apart as a unique gospel. There are four gospels, of course, in our New Testaments. The first three are, are nicknamed the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John's a little bit different. It doesn't follow the same pattern. Uh, it's known for having seven signs that testify to who Jesus is and seven I am statements. And these I am statements and signs are going to lead to ultimately uh, the, the purpose of the book, which is that we would know him, uh, believe in him, and have eternal life through Jesus. Uh, and so Jesus is going to make very clear statements about who he is and what we must uh, understand about him and believe in and trust in. Well, what he's going to say today is that um, he is the the true vine. I am the true vine. Now you think, well, that's a that's a interesting uh, statement. But what's the point of that? He says, if you're in him, if you're connected to him, then you will bear fruit. Uh, if you cannot help but do so, uh, I am the true vine, and every branch that's in me uh, that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So. Uh, these guys who would say they're in Christ but bear no fruit, they are not uh, truly part of him. Uh, and that he, they will ultimately be uh, abandoned and thrown into the fire, as it says. Taken, verse 6, uh, and thrown into the fire and burned. Um, but if, if you abide in me, as verse 7 says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. He says, I chose you and picked you, in verse 16, to bear fruit. Okay, you are going to bear fruit because of who you're connected to. So, now I'm not a uh, I don't traffic in uh, vineyards and and growing my own wine and grapes and things of that nature. I get my stuff used at Walmart, right? So uh, I go and purchase it. Now uh, in the uh, I, so so as a as a modern reader here, I might think, well, this sounds very harsh, right? He's going to take all these uh, underperforming branches and cast them into the fire, cut them out and cast them into the fire. Uh, what's up with that? Well. Uh, if you do a little digging and if you go visit Israel, if you look at some uh, resources, uh, one, one example of a good resource would be the Baker Illustrated Guide to Everyday Life in the Bible. Uh, in speaking about vineyards, it makes the point that, that growing grapes was uh, a necessity. Uh, it's not just a hobby. It's not a nice thing that people would do. I kind of set up a little terrace in their backyard and grow some grapes for fun. Now, this is life or death. And so, and, and not only was it, uh, you know, very important to their daily uh, subsistence, but, but, you know, a family, as it says here, would, would, would undergo this arduous process, a generational work of, of establishing these vineyards. It would take, you know, year after year of, of building them uh, because you have to go up to a higher place. And so you'd have to, to, to build a wall to prevent erosion that would destroy this situation. So you have to build this uh, complicated wall you have to have this terrace that you build, and then you have to, it took forever to get the grapes growing, actually. You don't just plant seed or throw seed in the ground. You have to take uh, good fruit and, and, and put it in between the, the terrace uh, there, 
and it would uh, and the, the cuttings are, are, are required uh, to to uh, to really take about four years once you finally got the apparatus all up uh, to and done to mature enough to really produce good quality grapes. So it took a long time, just a great deal of investment and time by a family to get it even going, and then even to maintain it, you'd have you know pests, uh, weeds. Uh, things that would, uh, would would harm it, and you have to prune those th- those things away. And so, if you go to your to your vine and you see no fruit, it's devastating. It's not the purpose that that thing is there for. It must bear fruit. And so, as you think about a Christian, a Christian must bear fruit. That's the whole reason you exist to bear fruit, to obey God's word, to 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 demonstrate the fruit of the spirit, as as uh, Galatians. Uh, five would teach you. Now, thinking about that, uh, you're different from the world. The world cannot bear fruit. It says here the world will ultimately be destroyed. Now, notice in the in the next section in chapter 15, it talks about the hatred of the world. It says if the world hates you, know that it first hated me before it hated you. Uh, if you're of the world, the world will love you as its own. It would embrace you because you're not of the world. I chose you out of the world, therefore it hates you. So. The world is opposed to the church or Christians. And so you got to know that. You got to understand that. Well, why is that? Well, uh, you are set apart by Jesus and the world cannot stand you. Why? Because it hated Jesus. It hates Jesus. Why? Because he's from the Father. The world is uh, biased and hates God. Uh, The world is infected with sin and therefore it sins against God in all kind of ways, does not trust God and wants to undermine and suppress God in unrighteousness. That's what Romans 1, 18 through 32 teaches. Uh, as you see that, is that just a big, big summary of what the whole Bible teaches about the posture of the world against God. Now, so I want to ask the question then, how do you know if someone's in Jesus or not? And there's one really simple diagnostic question here to think about the fruit-bearing situation, which you talked about earlier. Uh, and I want to say that if you look at what he says here, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. It will hate you because it hated me. So if you want to look today at someone that loves Jesus, ask, you know, does the person love Jesus? Well, well, they might say they love Jesus, but then ask the further question, does that person love James? Does that person love John? Does that person love Peter? Does that person love Paul? Does that person, does he or she love Hebrews? Does that person love Moses? Does that person love Elijah? Does that person love Samuel? Isaiah? The people that Jesus loved and loves. If you want to know if the world, uh, you know, if you want to know if the world hates Jesus, it's quite apparent. Uh, that's true. Uh, because they hate the Bible. They don't want to read the Bible. They won't, don't want to listen to the Bible. Uh, that is the tell. That reveals the heart. Does the person love Jesus or not? The world hates Jesus because he's from the Father. His word is from the Father, and therefore the world hates the word, and it hates those who proclaim the word, right? So if they persecuted me, Jesus says in verse 20, they will persecute you. They do not want the word of God to, to uh, reign over them, and that's the situation. And you see that illustrated in our Old Testament passage today. If you go back to 2 Chronicles 23-24, through 24, uh, you see this awful uh, rebellion uh, or awful, awful like execution of the family of David uh, and his descendants in the previous section in, ch- in chapter 22. Uh, but 
one survivor remains, and that's a, a, a young boy named Joash. And so Jehoiada knows that the that the covenant and the kingdom is going to come through a descendant of David, who is going to be this, uh, you know, head crushing baby, right? He's going to be the one who's going to ultimately bring an end and defeat to Satan and his treachery through the seed of the woman, right? And and so he knows that it can't come through this usurper, this bad king, uh, and so or the bad queen. Actually, she's sort of the uh, the Judah version of of Ahab's wife Jezebel, right? And so uh, Joash is uh, is made the king through this uh, great uh, rebellion. Jehoiada goes out and gathers the Levites and they uh, protect the king and then they execute uh, the uh, usurping queen. Uh, and so Athaliah, her name, is she's executed, right? Uh, and so Joash, who begins as a boy, reigns 40 years total, as it says there in 24 verse 1. Uh, and he, and it's and it, you're, you're looking at this at this text. You're like, wow, he is doing some amazing stuff. He, he's gathering the priests and the Levites. He's convincing everyone based on Moses's words and the and the taxes that he that he levied to care for the the tabernacle. Well, we need to take care of the temple, the house of God, right? Um, now, it says uh, in verse seven, the sons of Athaliah, the wicked woman, uh, had broken down and broken into the house of God and had used all the dedicated things. Uh, of the house of the Lord for the Baals, to worship Baals. And so they've executed uh, all these uh, uh, bad priests and, and bad prophets, and they're going to reinstitute proper worship in Israel through the temple, right? And they're going to pick it up. So uh, all things are going great. But then in verse 15 of chapter 24, Jehoiada grew old and died. Actually 130 years old, extremely old. He's buried among the kings. He's a, a priest who is as of the highest respect. And then his son, Zechariah, uh, is killed. Okay. Uh, you see uh, also, Joash uh, starts to listen to people who start to proclaim him as, the, as this you know, great man. And he becomes uh, convinced of his own autonomy. And so he will not listen to Zechariah. And he has Jehoiada's son killed. And you see the just the unraveling of all the reforms. They're back into idol worship again. They're back into denying God, and it goes to chaos. And so Joash is ultimately going to be assassinated uh, by his own people after a, a crushing defeat uh, at the hands of four nations. And we're going to be left looking again for the one to come, looking for Christ, looking for hoping for the seed of the woman to come, as Genesis 3.15 promises. Uh, and it has to be the true vine. Uh, and, and, and someday there will be Joe Ashes who will bear fruit uh, and, and will not be cut off and will not fall and fail any longer. But there will be those who persevere to the end because God will establish them. Uh, and then and they'll be established in the true vine, Christ, and they will bear that fruit out. So with that said, I hope that helps you to look at uh, the, the, the Old, Old Testament, especially a book like Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles, in light of the gospel truths, in light of the vineyard and the, and the necessity of that image to think about bearing fruit and to look at these three offices, right? That you see in the, the three anointed offices in the Old Covenant were priest, which you see there represented by Jehoiada and Zechariah, who was uh, one died, one, one, was, one died of natural causes, one was killed. Uh, you've got the prophets who spoke and, and you know, they would either listen or, or not listen to them. Uh, and then the king, right, who was, uh, it was key in this instance, uh, 
of, of leading the people either in a, in a positive way toward worshiping God or, or against God. And so the, the, those three offices are going to come together in the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus, who's going to represent all three as the righteous and true king, prophet, priest, uh, the Messiah, all right, the true vine. All right, with that said, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Online Bible Reading Club uh, as we continue to march our way through the scriptures. Uh, we hope that's a blessing to you. If you like the video, go ahead and hit the like button. Leave a comment for us uh, and uh, subscribe. Thank you, sirs and, and ladies. Uh, we'll see you soon.